Hi, everyone. On this week's ASF podcast, we're going to talk about wandering or elopement. Why? Well, first, it's just a generally important topic. But second, tomorrow is September 26th, which marks the three-year anniversary that my friend Feda Amalidi and her son Muhammad lost their lives in a house fire. Fires can be prevented, so we're using September 26th to ask all families to conduct an emergency preparedness check on their house and in their community to spread the word about doing the same thing. But other tragic deaths in the community don't come from fire, they come from wandering. I'll talk about the words wandering and elopement in a second, but why am I talking about wandering? Well, first, September 26th is a day to prevent deaths in the autism community, and many of those could be prevented by preventing wandering. And also, every single week, there's a child in the news that has wandered or eloped, or I should actually say running out into the street, traffic, or something that catches their eye or something they want to find or do. An autistic child ends up lost or drowned. The news is just filled with these heartbreaking stories day after day, every week, every month of the year. So while we have not found the solution for this, there has been some progress. As far as the word wandering, I never really know what to call it. Wandering really isn't the right term. I've heard the phrase, all who wander are not lost. This isn't like taking a hike into the woods. Same with the term elopement. You're old as I am and watched The Love Boat. The word elopement meant two people were going to run off and get married without their family's knowledge. That's not what it is. It's not a breakout because people aren't exactly breaking out of jail or something. So some of the current vernacular is just not sufficient to describe what's going on. Words to describe this behavior could be bolting, running off, taking off, or disappearing. We don't always know why this happens. Some people assume that that kids or adults who wander are trying to get away from something. But in fact, there are many documented cases of where these people are trying to get to something. Recently, a paper was published that looked at a case of what I will call bolting, but not the sewing machine bolting. Sorry, they're not just they're just not good words. So let's call it what it is then, running off. A group at Missouri State University looked at a technique called functional communication training to redirect the behavior of a child who is running off so that he could have access to door play. Door play means opening and closing of doors over and over. The parents and clinicians were able to identify the reasons he ran off, and it wasn't to escape. It wasn't because of abuse. It was because he just liked opening and closing doors. It was soothing or just fun. By itself, when it's a recreational activity, there's nothing wrong with door play. I mean, you may not want to do it all day at the sacrifice of other activities, which could be fun. And if you do it all day, then that might become problematic. However, this child was running off without permission in places like stores, churches, or schools in order to have door play. More dangerous seems to be water play, where someone likes to play with water. Again, playing with water is great. My daughter loved to play in water. So when she was six months old and 12 months old, she jumped into a pool. That's what triggered us to sign up for swimming lessons, which we did not stop until she was 10. This is especially dangerous because someone who likes water play will jump into a pool, a lake, or a river. So how do you create a situation where a child gets their door play or their water play, but knows to ask for it and doesn't run off to get it? These therapists use something called functional communication training. 
Functional communication training is based on learning theory and the principles of applied behavioral analysis. The idea is that all behavior, including these behaviors, are a form of communication. An important principle of this is that you must help a child learn new ways to communicate before trying to change that behavior. If the child can communicate in a new way, they don't need the behavior anymore or they know when to ask for it so they don't have to run off and get it. The first step is the detailed functional assessment of the child's behavior. And then the next step is starting the therapy, which involves deciding on a new way for the child to communicate, teaching that child a new communication skill, reinforcing that behavior whenever the child uses that skill, and ignoring the challenging behavior whenever it happens to extinguish it, and then prompting or reminding the child to use the new skill when appropriate. Now, this doesn't take a day. It can take weeks or months. And it can be quite intensive, especially in the early stages. I mentioned extinction, which is the gradual elimination of running off. Man, this part is hard. If the running off gets attention that the child wants, what what are you going to do? You can't just let them run off into a lake. So extinction is hard, and behavioral intervention has to be creative in thinking about how to extinguish that behavior without just letting them run off, and which would essentially give them access to door play or water play. Usually the behavior will stop if it's not reinforced. So stopping giving access to door play or water play, kids might stop running off. But you can't just let them do it and hope for the best that they'll learn. In the case of kids with autism, it's just not safe to extinguish the traditional way. So this functional communication training does reduce the running off, at least in cases that I'm seeing in the scientific literature. It's worth trying. Another strategy that's gained momentum are tracking devices. These have been controversial, but they are no more intrusive than wearing an Apple Watch or carrying an iPhone. In case you don't know it, your every move is tracked by someone. Every website you go on or every email you send, I'm sorry, but that's true. In a survey of over 3,000 families, most families used at least one strategy to manage elopement. Now, these can include things like alarms, window bars, harnesses, fencing, social stories, ID cards or bracelets, headphones, and swimming lessons, but only about a quarter use something called an electronic tracking device. Now, most of them that reported using electronic tracking device did it because they had a close call with a dangerous situation. The devices are not cheap. Most of them cost $1,000 or more. If they stopped using it, these people, they did it because the child refused to wear it. If they said they wanted to use one but didn't, it was mostly because of the cost or they knew their child wouldn't want to wear it. But say you spend this $1,000. They're not all $1,000. That's most of them. But there are others that aren't $1,000. An Apple Watch is not $1,000. Does it make a difference? Does it help? Overwhelmingly, yes, across all income levels, intellectual disability diagnosis, and ASD severity. Running off behavior was lower while using the tracking device. It reduced number and duration of the episodes. It improved caregiver emotional health, reduced anxiety, and increased participation in activities outside the home and improved respite options. Now, why would it decrease the number of elopement events? That's really not clear. It could be that the tracking device was purchased in conjunction with other strategies like door locks or alarms, or it may be that the act of placing a tracking device on the child or seeing the device may serve as a reminder of elopement risk, therefore prompting greater caregiver vigilance. It's also possible that these devices may 
reduce the frequency of running off using features that provide alerts when the children are at risk of leaving a, of leaving a supervised area, potentially giving caregivers the opportunity to intervene before a child runs off. But by themselves, there's no real reason why having an electronic tracking device would reduce eloping or running off behavior. I do want to acknowledge that wandering and elopement doesn't have the same perspective from all members of the community. I mentioned hearing a quote from an autistic adult that all who wander are not lost. Now, there's another side of this highlighted in a paper from Emily Hotez of UCLA and Morenike Giwa Owenawu. They encourage that the community, especially pediatricians, consider problem behaviors like wandering carefully and assess things like chronic stressors. They suggest that wandering or bolting or running off may occur when someone experiences emotional or sensory over or under stimulation or a transition or unexpected change. They encourage pediatricians to ask about the presence of stressors and help generate an individualized treatment plan. They suggest, of course, that interactions be tailored as well as continue the conversation about wandering and interaction with the autistic individual, including the caregiver and parent. Also, they encourage pediatricians to do what they should be doing anyway, frankly, which is to continuously coordinate with families and other systems like schools to help them be prepared for these episodes. The American Academy of Pediatrics recognizes that wandering can be dangerous and there is a serious risk of injury, and they have a wandering prevention toolkit on their webpage. This is not a topic to be taken lightly. There's obviously room for both approaches. As I pointed out, wandering might be due to chronic stress, or it could be due to interest in stereotypy or something that the child likes to do, like a favorite food or a great restaurant, or they might run off trying to get to something that's reinforcing like door play or water play, rather than escaping from something that's over or under stimulating. It doesn't have to be one or the other, it could be both. So there shouldn't be just one approach, but it seems like behavioral supports as well as devices, both electronic and non-electronic, are necessary. Please go to september26.org. There's some excellent wandering checklists and resources, which talks about ways you can secure your home, access an electronic device, find an ID bracelet, and get access to ways to teach kids to swim, especially those with a disability. I'll make sure that link is in the podcast summary. And also, please be sure to watch the recent video where a family in Hurleyville, New York, was inspired by the September 26th project and took it amongst and took it into their own hands to get trained and help their own community deal with fire prevention and fire safety. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.